Good morning and welcome to Faith FM Australia, 87.6, 87.8 and 88 FM. You're here on our breakfast show this morning with Mon and Lawson. Yo. Our kaleidoscope of stand-in hosts is never-ending here. <laughs> Lyle is still over in the Americas. And Taryn has now departed as well, abandoned and left me here. Um, but Lawson, you've come to save the day. I'm very happy about it. Yeah, well, you know, when I got offered cookies, I was like, oh man, I can't turn <laughs> this down. Yeah, I did have to bribe you with some special cookies. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're going to enjoy those. Hey, do you know what? We are going to have a wonderful program today. We have uh, some great music coming up. We have a wonderful interview. We have a great Bible study. And we know all this because we're looking at the end, back at the beginning, because this is actually the delayed broadcast introduction. What does that mean? It means you're probably listening to yesterday's show or maybe even the day before that or who knows, maybe it's last week's show. So if you're listening and it's not Monday the 25th of June, you're on the delayed broadcast, don't stress. You can actually jump across to the live show and that is super easy to do and it's so much more better than listening to delayed. Uh, All you have to do is uh, go to our website. It's faithfm.com.au and press play on the live stream or you can download the TuneIn app which is a free app. I mean, there is a version you have to pay for, but you know what? Forget that. Just get the free <laughs> version. You know, why would you pay? Get the free version, uh, search for Faith FM Australia, and then press play on that one as well, and you'll be joining the live show. And the live show is good because you're like we give away prizes. You know, we have like mm. quizzes and giveaways and the Q of the D, the question of the day. You can, I mean, you can call at any point and ask us mm. a question. It doesn't matter. You can do it on the delayed broadcast as well. But the live show is just so much more fun. Yeah. yeah, and you yeah. can see if Lawson's still here, or maybe if Lyle's back on the live show. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, fantastic. <laughs> Lawson, <laughs> uh, speaking of unbelievable, fantastic stuff, what are you grateful for this morning, Lawson? Oh man, I am grateful that I got here on time. Oh yeah, um, was because, it a struggle? Oh, I don't wake up that early. I, I got up at you know quarter quarter to six. Mm-hmm. Um, and dude, I tell you what, like. When I get in the shower, I just transport to another dimension. <laughs> like, it's it's just unbelievable. Like, I just love being in the shower. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I think if there wasn't time pressure, I'd just be in the shower forever. Do you do, like, a lot of thinking in the shower? Yeah. I've yeah. actually, like... Brilliant writ- ideas. You know, written most of my sermons in the shower. Yeah. Like, yeah. I sort of get in the shower, get all that inspiration, and then get out and just jot down what I thought of in the shower, and it's just gold. I think it's I think it's like almost like water therapy, because you have the mm. water striking you at that rhythm, and it's I don't want to say the word hypnotic, but it's like it's therapeutic, and, and mm. it has that sort of... It's almost, like a, it's almost like a background noise, and it allows you to mm. focus on stuff without being distracted. So, yeah, I have the same thing. Do you eat in the shower? <laughs> Never <laughs> eat in the shower like your food would get all wet. Come on, Monica. <laughs> no, no, this is what I, 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 I don't always, but maybe a few times a year, I'll make what I call my shower sandwich. And so it's a sandwich, <laughs> but you, you do have to toast it. And then the toastiness, you know, stands against the, the moisture. And then it's great because like the, the steam from the shower, like just moistens the, the crusty, toasty, just enough so it doesn't like scratch your mouth when you bite mm. it. So, yeah. Something I, I do mm. um, that... You know, I think I think not many people do this. Um, I've only met one other person that does this, and it's my girlfriend. I only do this when I have the opportunity, um, mm-hmm. like when I'm in a hotel or something, is mm-hmm. I sit down in the shower. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sit down up against the corner, mm-hmm. and I just ponder the universe. 
Well, this morning, I'm grateful for you, Lawson, for helping me out with the show. But stay tuned. We have a great program coming up today. You're going to enjoy it.
was a lovely little song. Do you enjoy that one too, Lawson? I do. This is a banger. This yeah. is a banger. Straight up. <laughs> I love how much you're into our music, and I'm sure Shell really enjoys it as well because Shell actually puts our music together. Well, she's working on it. Since she started here, she's been like mm. weeding out stuff and adding stuff mm. and bit by bit where our music is just like, yeah, really improving. And I'm sure our listeners are liking it too. They tell us on our Facebook all the time. So, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the, the library is massive now. Yeah, Shell, yeah. Shell is just putting in the work. She it's is. She is. Unbelievable. Yeah, she's doing a great job. We're going to kick off this morning <clears throat> with a quiz to wake up our slushy, sluggy, slurry Monday morning brains mm. that are all still on weekend mode. You've got a quiz for us, haven't you, Lawson? Yes, I do. What kind of quiz is it? This is a what number am I quiz. Ooh, what number? What number? Oh, like a biblical kind of number? Because, I mean, what? these are all Bible quizzes, right? Mm. Well, ah. well, it looks like it um, because they're biblical questions. Ah. So. So the clues are all in the Bible. Yep, yep. What's the first clue? The first clue is the number of days Goliath taunted Israel. Ooh, the number of days Goliath taunted Israel. Very interesting. Mm. If you think you know the answer, you can give us a call. The number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. You can message us through any of our social medias. They've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, and P.S., that clue already went up on our Instagram like 10 minutes ago. Instagram's always a few steps ahead. So if you want to get a jump on the clues, you can check out our Insta. Our handle is Facebook. Faith FM Live, all lowercase, all one word. Guess what, Lawson? What? I'm going to give you your bribes. You ready for this? <sighs> oh, buddy. <laughs> now, I called up Lawson on the weekend and I begged him to come in and, uh, and fill in for Tuesday and Wednesday. And he said yes, graciously. And then I had to call him back like a day later and beg him to come in on Monday as well. And I said, I'll bake you cookies if you come and hear... I made you ninja bread, man. Holy dooly. Get it? They're not gingerbread. They're ninja, they're ninja bread. bread. This this dude's like kicking the air. This is amazing. Yeah, he's doing a flying kick, man. Dude. And that one's doing a karate chop and the yeah. other guy's doing that like kapow thing. Unbelievable. Isn't it great? Dude. I'm so stoked right now. Yeah, I bet they taste amazing too. Yeah, but I mean, do you really want to eat them? Because those are super cute ninja bread, man. Yeah. Look, like, I, I don't want them... You know, to die a needless death, though. <laughs> like, because if we leave them, then they're going to fall apart and stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, know. eventually, I mean, gingerbread does last a long time. Mm. And these are ninja breads that could probably, like, fight off the mold even stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, 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 yeah. I'm feeling yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was a terrible joke, wasn't it? <laughs> okay. We, I want to put some pictures up because I'm super proud of these. I decorated them myself, by the way. And P.S., they're totes vegan. They're totes vegan. Totes oh, vegan. Stoked. Vegan for days. Total plant-based yep. and delicious. I mean, apparently oh. I haven't personally eaten one because I'm on a juice fast, but let's not talk about that either. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good news. But here's some more good news. Did you hear about the um, the Michigan uh, World War II veteran who was turning 100 this year? No. So he's, he was turning 100 this year and um, – and his son and daughter, um, you know, they asked him, you know, what is it you want for his birthday? And uh, and he said, you know what, I'm turning 100. I would love to get 100 birthday cards, you know, which I guess you'd think isn't that much of a goal. But if you're 100 mm. years old, it's 
you know, sadly, probably the reality that you haven't got many of your friends left. Yeah. They've probably all gone before you. And so getting 100 birthday cards might be a bit, bit of a push. And so she thought, you know, the only way I can do this is if I if I put this up online. And so she took a picture of him, you know, and put his um his little story in about how he, you know, he served in World mm. War Two, And she put it up on, on Twitter, I think it was. And the thing went viral. Classic. Absolutely. Cr- and this was like a couple of months before his actual 100th birthday, right? And um, and I, I'm a little bit ashamed because I saw this when it first came out and I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to send him a birthday card from Australia and mm-hmm. then forgot and never got around to it. <sighs> anyway, so his 100th birthday has now come and gone and, uh, and because I actually also put up his address, his postal address, guess how many cards he got? How many? Over 50,000 birthday cards <laughs> from every <laughs> single corner of the globe. And it's... Like when I read this story, I get a little bit emotional because it's just so sweet mm. because these cards are still piling in. Um, <clears throat> so the, count, the last time they counted was like about 55,000, but they're still mm. coming in. They say <laughs> every day um, their family has to like join forces and take a trip to the post office and they load up the back of their cards, the cars with thousands of cards and packages and all kinds of stuff from well wishes around the globe. And then they come home and they open their read each and every single letter. She said, she said you know, it sounds like it would be an impossible task, but she says it's impossible not to read them. And, mm. um, and apparently the, the gentleman... Um, uh, his name is Isaac Ike Fabella. Apparently, he does a lot of crying and he can't believe, you know, what some of the people have written because, you know, he's receiving uh, letters from concentration camp survivors, wow. um, people who, you know, were victims of the war, people who, um, you know, they were rescued from, you know, their conditions in the war, you know, 80 years ago. And they're thanking him for his service. So, um, it's so sweet. And, uh, and yeah, and so... I think I, I'm a little ashamed. I should have sent him a letter, but um, I think he's gotten quite a few. <laughs> Dude, what a read, though. Yeah, and they're actually going to have a big celebration for him in his community there in Michigan. They're going to have a, a long uh, motorcycle group. They you know they plan to go down the street and do a bit of a, mm. a bit of a, what do you call those things like a almost like a mini parade. Yeah, and the town's going to come out to to thank him and and to commemorate. So yeah, hundred years old, fifty thousand letters can you imagine dude this guy like attention i tell you what like Mm -hmm. (laughs) no i think i think that's amazing i think it's well deserved as well um if you if you got if you got fifty thousand letters in the mail would you read them all i i struggled to read all my birthday cards like i might sound terrible but i'm not a gifts person and like if yeah, if I get a bunch of birthday cards, like uh-huh. I, I, I read them all. Yeah, but, but I struggle. I'm not a letter person. I'm sorry. Do you, do you um do you keep like old letters and, and old birthday cards? You know what? This is gonna sound terrible, but I keep them because of of the sentimental value of the person that gave it to me. Like as in, you know, the person holds value in that card. Because uh-huh. like I said, again, like I'm just not a card person. Okay, so you're not a card person, but you keep the card. Yeah. Well, because I think, you know, it is – because ultimately what's it going to do? It's going to sit up like on a on a shelf or something somewhere or, it is, or, or in a drawer. But I think I think it is a good thing. I've actually like got some birthday cards from my nan and pop that it was sitting Aww. like that I, that I got when I was like six and seven years old, like of, you know, with motorbikes on the front and stuff and they're sitting in my drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's pretty cute. Like happy seventh birthday, big man and all this Aww, stuff. Like it's, That's cute. I have to admit, I um, I'm not very sentimental, and um, 
as soon as I get a birthday card, I basically chuck it straight away. Chuck it straight away? Because, because No, because I've noticed a pattern. So, like, usually I would keep them and I put them in a drawer and never look at them again. And mm. then, like, five years later, I find them and then I chuck them. And I'm like, why do I prolong the chucking? <laughs> they All they do is sit in a drawer anyway when nothing happens with them anyway. So, I chuck them. Unless they're particularly spe- – I've only ever kept about five cards in my whole life. Five. Yeah, yeah, about five. Yeah. That's about it. No, I feel you. Yeah. Feel you. Let me tell you another amazing story, another good news story. So we have a waitress. Um, you know, she, you know, working on a waitress. Waitresses don't get paid that much, really, and uh, and she's been working as a waitress for about five or six mm. years now. And uh, and a gentleman came in, a customer, and um, and she was chatting with him about her family in Italy, and uh, you know, and just discussing how she's never actually even been to Italy to meet her meet her relatives to meet her family. Um, because, you know, she's working as a waitress, doesn't have that much money, um, was paying uh, whatever she could. She was paying for her daughter's education. And uh, and the gentleman, he left her a tip, right? So the total of his bill was $60.42. Mm-hmm. He left her a $1,000 tip. And next to it on the receipt said, this is your ticket to Italy. Enjoy. Dude, what a lie. Isn't that incredible? And he was only in there for about fifteen minutes, and she and he purchased her a ticket to Italy. So now she, it's like in some small town, um, you know, in Italy, like the Italian, I think like in Napoli in the Naples. Yeah, just like yeah. one of those beautiful little yeah. towns. Yeah. So she is going to be going on the trip of her life. I, it warms my heart that there's still human yeah. kindness like this, dude. And that's a good trip as well. Yeah, have you been to Italy? Um, no, I've never been to Italy. My my mum is actually in Italy at the moment. Oh, she is. Yeah, yeah, she's. Uh, yeah, I, I think she went to Naples. Uh huh. But yeah, just just going around Europe and those old historic sites, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's it's a sight. It's amazing. Yeah. You know? And the food, the food. <laughs> oh, the food. <laughs> I've been to Italy a bunch of times, and all I just sit, I just I just like open my mouth and start shoveling food in. I don't stop <laughs> until I get on the plane. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh, if you have some good news, do share it with us. We love hearing good news. We love hearing gratitude to God and the wonderful mm. ways that Jesus's love is still working amongst us. We're going to have a song now. This is Anna Weatherup with the song "I'll Fly Away." Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. 1-800-324-843. We'll be right back with some interesting current affairs. Some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away To a home on the celestial shore I'll fly away
morning and welcome back to Faith FM's Breakfast Show. You're here with Mon and Lawson, who is filling in for a whole myriad of people. Yeah. Taryn and then Lyle. <laughs> We're very grateful to have you on board. Uh, we are going to do our next quiz clue. Do we have another clue for the quiz, Lawson? Yes, or is it- we do. Again, the quiz is what number am I? Mm. And we gave the first clue, which was the number of days that Goliath taunted Israel. Mm-hmm. But our second clue is the number of days required by the Egyptians to embalm a body. Ooh, <laughs> that's a slightly morbid. Yeah, it's extra biblical. <laughs> if anyone like is up on their ancient history, because you know there's a lot of history coming out of Egypt. So how long do the Egyptians take to embalm a body? Do you want to hear a crazy story? What? So just recently, uh, over the Christmas break, I was in America, and uh, when I touched down in Florida, because that's where I, I, you know, I went via LAX, you know, to Florida, and uh, and by the time I got there, it was like midnight, and I got off my plane and I jumped in an Uber, my first Uber in America ever, um, to get to my hotel. To my Airbnb, actually. How millennial do I sound? I can't Uber to my Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're driving along. And my, I'm talking to my Uber driver. And after a few minutes, he whips out his phone and starts showing me pictures of dead bodies. Yo. <laughs> you weren't expecting me to say that, were Dude, you? no. I, was I wasn't like, expecting to see kids, that either. His, co- no. you know, his cookies. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. And this is, okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ease the story for you because it's not as horrific as it sounds. Mm-hmm. So, it turns out that, you know, pe- people who drive um, Uber are usually like, it's like a second job. They yeah. do it when they're not yeah. doing their other job. So, it turns out his other job, he's a mortician. I have never in my life met anyone who works in, you know, in the funeral sector. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he was actually showing me, you know, the embalming process because I was, I was very interested by it. I was asking about the science behind it. And he was showing me um, pictures of like before and after. So he showed me like a picture of a cadaver on, on the table. Um, you know, he had a car accident and he was quite beat up. And then he showed me the process of how he like cleans up the face, does the makeup, puts him in a, in a nice sharp suit. And by the time he finished the embalming, like that guy looked brand spanking new. It's, it's an incredible skill. I take my hat off and I have a lot of respect for, for morticians not only because, you know, the somber um, nature of their work, but but the skill with which they do it, I did not realize. It, it was like, it's definitely artistic to take something, you know, that's in a, in a pretty bad, horrific condition and then make it, make it, you know, look like it's, you know, alive. I don't want to say it, but yeah, incredible skill. Oh, it's gnarly. Like that's probably, <laughs> that's probably something I can't deal with, you know. Yeah, I don't think I could do either. Yeah. Everyone has their sort of, you know, fears or phobias or things mm-hmm. that make them cringe, man. Dead bodies, like yeah. that's a bit next but level. The, 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 the thing to point out was unlike the ancient Egyptians, it didn't take him 40 days. I think he did it in a few hours. So, yeah, 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 yeah. very incredible. Anyway, tell us about some current news. Some current news. Yeah. Well, something that's been going on for a while mm-hmm. Um is the bees dying. The bees dying at an alarming rate. And this is, it's been, yeah, been going on for a while. And, you know, they've tried a few different things for a solution. Um, A a few things that haven't worked, whether directly or or indirectly. I remember a couple of years ago in Florida, um, when the Zika virus was a big thing, Mm -hmm. they released a bunch of um, anti-Zika virus um, uh, flies. Oh. And they actually 
ended up destroying a lot of the bee population oh, and grief. backfired big time. But That's such a human thing to do. We think we've fixed it and then we've just made a bigger problem. Dude, <laughs> yeah, classic. Classic <laughs> human. Classic human race. We've made it worse. Oops. Yeah, but um, something that's been blowing up recently, Sir David Attenborough um, mm-hmm. ha- put up a post recently on, on Facebook or Twitter, one of those, um, saying, you know, giving some advice on how we can combat um, yeah, the, the, you know, the decay of the bee population, mm-hmm. um, which hasn't, isn't at the moment in Australia, a massive thing, but I think especially in, in, in America, especially in Europe, they're really struggling with, um, mm-hmm. so David Attenborough suggested this thing, um, where you get a tablespoon of yeah. water uh-huh. and then you put sugar in it mm-hmm. and, and you just sit it outside, you know, on your front porch or whatever. Um, and, you know, the bees can come and, and sort of be rejuvenated by that um, and then, you know, go on their way, um, which is really cool. And this actually started, you know, uh, 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 an interest again mm-hmm. in, in you know, Kitty helping bees, the bees. Yeah. Um, that sounds almost deceptively simple. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of does. Sh- I mean, in my mind, I'd be like, wouldn't that attract ants? But hey, if, if David Attenborough says it's going to work. <laughs> David Attenborough. Yeah, well, you know, I started seeing more things pop up saying, you know, some of the ways in which we can help the bees is, is planting, you know, more flowers. Um, mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to be native, mm-hmm. but, um, but flowers that bees are attracted to, you know, ye- yellows, oranges. Um, Honeysuckle. Some, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those kinds of things. Um, jasmine. Oh, love Jasmine. <laughs> also, um, avoiding pesticides is a big thing, and this oh, is oh huge. This is a, a um an issue that comes very close to home. Oh, really? For me, really? yeah, because because check it out, right? If, if we don't have bees, you we know, don't have honey. We don't have honey, mm-hmm. but also if if we don't have bees, then we we don't have pollination, right? Uh-huh. If we don't have pollination, we don't have flowers. True. Like, okay, if we don't have flowers, we don't have like crops. We don't have anything. If we don't have crops, we don't have wheat. And if we don't have wheat... We don't have bread. We don't have bread. And if we don't have bread, we don't have garlic bread. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is very serious This me. is... Yeah. You know, for a second there, I thought you were going to say, we don't have flowers. What am I going to give to my girlfriend? And then I was like, no, he's not going there. No, he went to garlic bread. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, actually, you know, Lyle and I would be devastated as well because Lyle and I are actually honey connoisseurs. So we love our honey and this this would be devastating. And But if so much further reaching than we think, than we realize, because mm. yeah, pollination is a massive thing. And I'm sure there's artificial pollination, but how are you going to artificially pollinate every single plant? Yeah, they're saying that, you know, if the bees were to t- totally die out um you know that would be give they, they give a rough estimate of like four years to when we'd be in major crisis Whoa. so obviously their, their job bees job is so important so i think we should really get behind this yeah supporting absolutely. and restoration of the bees yeah um, we we can do it. I mean, we we repopulated the panda pandas. Yeah. You know, why can't we you know help out the bees? Help the bees. I think yeah. you know it, it is a little bit more difficult difficult than being insects. And mm-hmm. but, but if anything, you know, there's there's more bees than there were pandas. Yeah, so, true. so you know, and they're, jump up. they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we can you know put in by again you know the whole sugar, water, and a teaspoon yeah. thing. But also yeah. Planting more plants that attract bees and, you know, avoiding pesticides. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try putting some sugar in some water and stick it outside. I'm going to give it a whirl. Give it, give it a whirl. I'm going to give it a whirl. Fantastic. Put it right next to my flowering plants. I have some arrows <laughs> in my front yard. Unbelievable. Um, okay, so our next news story. Um, Donald Trump 
Again, in in the news, Um, you know, at the moment there is a big controversy, I guess, a big talking point in America over immigration. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it was last Friday where uh, Melania Trump, you know, went to to visit the immigrants and there was that whole debacle with, you know, she was wearing that jacket jacket that says, you know, no one cares and I don't and all this stuff. Um, Yeah, but I saw I saw recently in the news um, that they're really pushing to streamline the process of, you know, deterring illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, a big push that they're doing is to, to sort of get them, you know, deported without a judicial case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I think this is really interesting because, you know, there's a big cry from the, you know, public and also even within his party to, to you know, be a little bit more human towards them mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to see out their cases, you know, everything that's going on with the separation of, of kids um, and their parents and whatnot. But, you know, he's continuing um, with his ideology of they're illegal immigrants and uh, we need to get them out of our country as quick yeah, as possible. Yeah. Um, which is, it's pretty hectic, um, you know, because, uh, you know, at the moment there's 5,000 kids who are separated oh, from their parents um, who are in custody in America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess the sort of continuing of this this Saga, ideology yeah. to to try and get them <clears> out it's it's pretty pretty insane, pretty yeah. insane world. Um, I mean, I, sure, make it illegal for people to enter without any documentation. I mean, every country has that, but to separate their kids, it's it's above and beyond what needs to be done. Mm. Like that's a that's the kind of thing you do to you know a horrific you know hardened criminal yeah. who who doesn't have the capacity to look after a child. You know, like a, a murderer or something like that. But to take you know take kids off people who are, who are just seeking to have a better life for their kids is. Yeah. I think way too harsh of a punishment, and um, but I do think it's important to know that this didn't start with with Trump. You know, it's, it's mm. definitely exacerbated. I, I'm a little bit confused about her fashion choices as well <laughs> because I feel like a little bit of an oversight. They have so many advisors. Surely someone must have been. I think that might not be the best idea today. Anyway, <laughs> if you have an opinion about this one, give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. We'd love to hear about it and have a chat. We're going to have Nathan Young written down in stone, and then we're going to be coming back with a very interesting guest interview. is just and the law is right and it's written by God in stone the law is love and the law is life and it's written by God in stone I will follow his commandments I'll abide in My delight It's written down in stone Oh, it's written down in stone The law is holy, the law is pure And it's written by God in stone The law Faithful forever sure And it's written by God in stone 
to Faith FM Australia. You are listening to 87.6, 87.8 and 88 FM. We have a special interview for you now. This is John Cosmeyer. He is a war veteran who we actually interviewed back during the Anzac Day special. It's been a very popular interview, well requested. So in light of our little story this morning about the World War II veteran receiving his 50,000 letters, we are going to play it again for you. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8. And 88, depending on where you are here in Australia, we have right here in the studio for our Anzac Day special, none other than Pastor John Cosmeyer, who is going to share us some stories uh, from the Second World War and the times immediately after the Second World War. Now, with a name like Cosmeyer, whereabouts does your family come from, John? Our family history goes back, we can trace it back as far as 1620, Okay, and, that's a ways back. Yes, and it came from Westphalia in Germany. Uh-huh. And then one of the Cosmos decided that he'd start a life of his own in the northern part of Holland. Okay. In uh, the area of the uh, province of Groningen. Right. And so 200 years later. There you were. And uh, Well, actually, it's 300 years later I turned up. Okay. Now, when you turned up, at what stage was the war? My mum and dad were actually born, 
married, I mean, uh, two days after war was declared between Germany and Holland. Oh, my. And then I was born uh, 15 months later. So right. I was actually 1941 baby. Yep. So uh, you're born in 41. The war isn't ending for a number of years later. That's really going back to the early days of your existence. Do you have memories of the first world? I'm sorry, of the Second World War. I do, but that's not until 1945. Sure. Um, but things happen that I know about because we have pictures of them. Yeah. And uh, and Dad filled me in on yeah. why that. P- particular picture was taken so. so what was it like for your parents as a newly married couple then uh you know the, the the at the start of the second world war it's all just sort of happening right around them obviously they survived the actual fighting in holland only took five days because yes. holland's the so, uh, the country of holland is the size of one third of the size of victoria <laughs> it's hard for us here in australia to get our heads around such small countries when and we live so such when the continent. german Panzer divisions were still brand new. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just rolled across the border and that was it. Yeah. And as a result... So it was uh, almost like an occupation rather it than... It was an battle. occupation straight in. Yeah. And then, of course, the Dutch had to settle down under the new rulership and it became very difficult, mm-hmm. especially when the Germans started running out of materials and men. And so they would get men from Holland to go to Germany and work in order to uh, produce what was needed for their fighting in the war. And my uncle, who was a, um, an administrator in the hospital mm-hmm. sections in a place called Leowarden, he said to my father, he said, look, Abbott, he said, you go and get yourself a job in a hospital. So my dad went to work in a mental hospital mm-hmm. uh, because it was most unlikely that they would be taken to the work camps. Right. So my dad actually, um, he was never sent to Germany your uncle, your uncle, your uncle is, and they had taken an X-ray of him when he was supposed to become uh, one of the uh, conscripts in Holland, and they discovered there was a, a spot on his lung, so he wasn't eligible to serve in the war neither. Right. Whereas my uncle was okay, um, but when he uh, was called up, he said, "I am a Seventh Day Adventist, mm-hmm. and I'm a non-combatant." Okay, so your family were Christians at, at, at this time? We have been Seventh-day Adventist Christians since 1911. Oh, my. Okay. So you're looking at 107 I should mention that many of our listeners that, um, that last year my co-host here was Shana Kosmeyer, who is your granddaughter. Absolutely. And how many generations of Adventists is that? I think... She makes number six. There you go. On both sides of our family. Oh, My wife is also uh, the fifth generation of Adventists. Yeah, fantastic. So that's six, that's seven, yeah. So your uncle then, he is a non-combatant? Yep. How does that go for him? It was terrible mm. because non-combatancy was not recognised at that time and the Dutch didn't know what to do with him. Right. And uh, they threw him a gun and he just let it fall on the ground. And they said, well, you've got to take it. He said, no. He said, I'm a non-combatant. Mm-hmm. And so instead of only serving 18 months, they made him serve three years mm-hmm. as a non-combatant and gave him all the worst jobs in the world until eventually he ended up in their dairy, okay. producing milk for the troops. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And then at the end of the three years, they asked him to stay because he was such a good worker. <laughs> <laughs> and so at first they didn't want him and now they didn't want to lose him. Yeah. However, it had further consequences and that is that when my dad and mum came to Australia, they wanted to take the whole family, including right. my uncle yeah. and his wife and his children. And when they applied to become uh, – to travel to Australia and they needed a permit to come to Australia as immigrants, the Australian government would not accept them because he had been a non-combatant. Is that so? And so there are ongoing consequences for what happened at that time. Wow. Yeah. That, so, yeah, making a stand for yeah. what you believe in yeah. um, from a Christian perspective was um, – it carried a heavy price. Absolutely. Did your uncle ever make it to Australia? He came for a visit right, uh, with his wife and they'd been here two days when she broke a leg and uh, she needed a hip replacement. So their, <laughs> their memories of Australia are not real happy ones. Yeah. <laughs> and they <laughs> couldn't understand great. why our sheep were not white and why the grass wasn't green. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she said, in Australia, you have gum trees, gum trees everywhere. <laughs> so she loved the gum trees. Oh, fantastic. Now, your father, what, he, he was working in a mental hospital. Was he involved in anything else during the Second World War? Yeah. Later on, toward the middle of the war, mm-hmm. uh, he came back and he became an upholsterer mm-hmm. and went into business with another person. And um, he had his workshop about two kilometres away from where the house was. But my dad was a bit of a naughty boy. And he had an illegal radio that you were not allowed to own any kind of radios because people in Holland were listening to the BBC News from England. Yeah, yeah. And so my dad was listening to the BBC News. So how was he able to hide this radio? Well, (laughs) you can hide a radio in your house. However, somehow the news got out and the neighbour over the road said to my father, look, Everett, he said, you have got a radio in your house and we know about it. And if the Germans come, they'll shoot you and, uh, and your wife and children. Yeah. And so uh, he said, do something so that if they do come, it won't be there. Yeah. And that's when I became a smuggler. And how old were you when you became a smuggler? Uh, I would have been about one and a half, <laughs> a baby with a big smile <laughs> on his face. And my dad put the radio in the pram right, and then put things over it and then, of course, sat me on the top and I was the innocent person looking at the German soldiers Smiling doing all the inspections German. and so on. And fortunately, they didn't bother to look under where I was sitting. So they did actually come through and check? Oh, yes. Yeah. And... Uh, and then my dad took uh, the radio to the workshop. He had it for the rest of the war. Mm-hmm. And so they knew, you know, what the troops and everything were doing mm-hmm. because the Americans and the, um, the British, they had planned to liberate Holland mm-hmm. and it was the, that task was given to the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when the Canadians came and encircled the city, the German soldiers that were there they had been left an opening to go back to Germany, but they were not prepared to go back to Germany because they would have been shot as traitors in their own country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they, those poor men had no choice mm-hmm. because it was death fighting or death yep. at home yep. and they didn't want the shame, so they stayed and fought. Mm. And it blew the centre out of our city and I remember that as a kid, the, the, the fires that were burning inside the city 
And my dad got so afraid that he went, opened the door of the house at night to have a look out to see what was going on. Mm -hmm. And he saw a German um, gun with a bayonet on the end of it coming toward him. And he closed the door. Unfortunately, you know, the soldiers didn't insist on. Mm-hmm. And uh, they knew that the that, that the uh, the population were just so afraid. Yeah. But yeah. I distinctly remember that and, of course, going through the ruins afterwards when I started going to school and so on because it took a long time to fix up that city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah... I'm a smuggler and a uh, and a survivor. <laughs> there you go at a young age. Now, why was it why was it so important to have a radio that the Dutch were prepared to risk their lives um, over something as you know? We would think, well, that's just a radio. It's something so simple, you know. Well, there are people that are a bit more adventurous and the Cosmos, <laughs> those who know us know that, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay, enough that, said. I do that, know the Cosmos, isn't it? When you're with us, things yeah. happen. Sure. We don't let sure. grass grow, grow under our feet. And my dad was like that. Yeah. and yep. uh, He was someone who wanted to know what was yeah. happening in the world. In, in fact, one of the things that caught up with the Dutch people was hunger. Right. And we grew food, but it was all taken to Germany and to the soldiers, the war and so on. So you were left with very little. Mm-hmm. And they would go to the fields on push bikes, turn their push bikes upside down and have a bag with them. And they would get the grain from the field, swing the back wheel with the pedals. All right, yeah, yeah. Right, and then put the heads of the grain into the back wheel and the, uh, the spokes would actually harvest the grain and that would then be put into a sack. And so that's the way quite a lot of the Dutch survive by just, you know, harvesting Mm -hmm. from the fields and using their push bikes as uh, harvesting machines. Mm -hmm. But my dad's situation became so desperate that he said to my mother, he said, I will not come back until I have found food for the rest of the war. And so my dad went out and he eventually found a farmer mm-hmm. and that farmer had a daughter who wanted to get married. Mm-hmm. And he said to my dad, he said, you're in Polstra? He said, I want a lounge suite for my daughter for her wedding. Mm-hmm. Well, where was dad going to get stuff from for a, a yeah, lounge for a suite? Lounge suite yeah. And so he managed to do that by going into the warehouse at night where the Germans had confiscated everything they could lay their hands on, put it in a big shed, and then they would send it by canal over to Germany. Mm -hmm. And amongst that were rolls of material. And my dad managed to find some Czechoslovakian uncut moquette, and he made this magnificent lounge suite for this farmer's daughter. And the farmer said to him, what can I pay you? And he said, you supply us with food for the rest of the war. Mm-hmm. And that's how my mum and dad survived the, survived survived the, war, the without war. Without starving. Yeah, and so, you know, when you have experiences like that, that they stay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Now, my uh, obviously, very devout Christian family, how important was your family's faith um, to their survival of the war and to their outlook of, you know, what was happening? 
the questions arise, you know, why is it that there's war in the first place mm. and other people are without hope? Yeah. But because you're a Christian, you say war is part of living mm-hmm. in a world where there's sin mm-hmm. and we just wait for Jesus to come. Sure. And so it's their faith that gives them a level of happiness and joy under those conditions and certainty for the future that certainty. others do not have. Yeah. And a light at the end of the tunnel. It is the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, it's not at the end of the tunnel. The <laughs> light is there all the time. Yeah, right there, right standing beside right you. It's not the, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's and, a yeah, uh, describing. And you make provisions and you do all kinds of things to survive. Mm. But underneath it all are the everlasting arms. Mm. That's yeah. what God said. You yeah. know, through those difficult times, I will support you. And he did. Mm-hmm. And as a result, all of our family survived. All of your family? All of our family survived. fantastic story. Yeah, and so God to us under those circumstances were very good. Mm. Now, uh, at that particular time, was Holland considered a Christian nation? Very much so. Right. Oh, yes. Quite different from today. Uh, Quite different from today. Secularisation has taken over Europe Mm -hmm. at all levels. Yeah. And uh, in fact, a lot of people don't know, but it was Napoleon who looked at Europe as a whole Mm -hmm. and wherever he went, he said that um, uh, instead of measuring the distances between the churches as the distances between the towns in Australia is between post offices, Mm -hmm. but in Europe, it's now between the banks. Right. And so secularisation has taken over yeah. from the church and religion yeah, sure. and to the detriment of Europe. Yeah. John, it has been fantastic having you here on our uh, Faith Heaven Breakfast Show as a part of our Anzac Day uh, Memorial. Thank you so much for sharing your memories of living in Holland during the Second World War. It doesn't seem quite right to say goodbye, my friend But there's a work to be done to tell the world that he is love If I don't see you here again My brother, I'll see you when we get there God's great mercy be forever with you Courage, courage until we get there We are here for just a little while My sister, God surely gives beautiful gifts You are dear to my heart Reminding me of his caring love Fellow pilgrim will still be taking the same way home Even though oceans apart Still be fighting the same fight together If I don't see you here again My sister, I'll see you when we get Known 
you that he will hold and keep you through Till he comes and he is coming soon Brother, sister, I'll see you when we get there God's great mercy be forever with you Courage, courage until we get there We are here for just a little while We are here for just a little Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well, it is well with my My soul 
It is well, it is well with my soul. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.